I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tony Bobulinski's back in the news. Our president is a gigantic criminal. We'll talk to Julie Kelly about that. Elon Musk buying Twitter. What does that mean? Should you even care? We have that and so much more coming up tonight on I'm Right. One of the things that I still can't get my mind around is how many huge, you know, country-changing scandals are currently happening right now. And there's almost so, there's almost too many. There are so many of them it's like you can't give any of them the appropriate level of attention. I, I know I go through this. I do, I do four hours of media a day, an hour right here on the first. I do three hours of radio, and I'm, I'm going through stories. Do we have enough time for this? There's just so much going on. But maybe the biggest, when you think about what it means for the country, maybe the biggest thing that is happening is the administrative state not only declaring war on you, essentially just working for the Democrats, working for the Biden administration. They've simply become an arm of the Democratic Party. We don't, I mean, don't want to talk about scandals. We're like 15 minutes removed from Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, saying the FBI came to him before the Hunter Biden story even broke. So they came to him off the wiretaps they had on people and the spying they were doing on people and told him not to publish it as uh, Russian disinformation. That is, that is FBI ending levels of scandal. 
in any sane nation, if you heard the state police doing something like that, you would just immediately, okay, the entire organization, all activity is paused until there is a massive internal investigation and we figure out, it's that big. And yet, we don't even talk about it. I mean, we don't talk about enough. The Hunter Biden laptop story, it wasn't ignored by the FBI or the media or big tech. It wasn't ignored. It was actively covered up. Ignoring it would have been an improvement. Remember, we had a witness. Not only did we have verified documents, verified, they're all verified now. We had a guy, Tony Bobolinsky, who came forward and said, this is way beyond Hunter. Joe Biden gets 10% of everything. On May 13, 2017, I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. In fact, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. It wasn't ignored by the media, by big tech, by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Ignoring it would be bad enough. It was actively covered up. It's not like the FBI saw the Hunter Biden news and said, up, 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 can't see anything, not looking. They saw the Hunter Biden news and said, someone go down to Facebook and make sure they don't publish it. This is how nations end. This is how nations descend into something that is uglier than you can possibly imagine. Maybe you don't believe me. Maybe you don't think they covered it up. Okay. Well, listen to what Tony said about, hey, I came to them. I was willing to give them all the info. They gave me a, oh, we'll get back to you. So at the end of that five plus hour interview, the head of station uh, told my lawyers, listen, an individual named Tim Tebow is going to run points on all of this. I was ready to sit down with anybody that needed me to or travel wherever I wanted to. And, um, and so the head of station gave my lawyers um, Tim Tebow's cell phone number. Tim was not there that day. I think he was out of Washington, D.C. But my lawyers had an hour, hour and a half call with him that Friday night, October 23rd, and subsequent calls through the weekend and the following week when I was then coming on um, your show to uh, provide the facts to the American people. And... Um, they were supposed to be working a follow-up interview, and Tim Tebow, in his last discussion with my legal counsel, was, listen, we know Tony's cooperating. We appreciate all the information he's provided. Uh, we will follow up with you. We're definitely going to have him come in uh, for a follow-up interview or spend some more time on this. And um, I haven't heard from him since. Hmm. That's funny. Tim Tebow, I swear... I don't know. I swear I've heard that name before. Julie, joining me now is my friend Julie Kelly. She's the author of the book you should be reading if you want to understand what's happening in your country, January 6th. Uh, Julie, now, I'm, you know, I have a low IQ. I don't remember some things. Tim Tebow, I swear I've heard that name before. Have I? Yes, um, I believe that you probably recognize his name because he conveniently retired from the FBI a few weeks ago ah. as Senators Chuck Grassley and John Johnson were asking questions about that they found uncovered uh, that he had posted anti-Trump, anti-Republican social media posts. So that's probably, I hope that that maybe jogs your memory a little bit. 
Okay, retired. Retired. Now, did he retire? Can you just let me know? Did he retire to prepare for a long legal battle for all the malfeasance he committed while at the FBI? Is he lawyering up right now? What's he been charged with specifically? Well, he's not now, but he is lawyered up. Apparently, he's got a pro bono attorney because he uh, uh, is going to be a target of looks like looks like a Senate investigation related to the Hunter Biden laptop. And I believe that he also was one of the key agents who tried to bury this investigation early on. There were a couple of uh, agents out of the Washington field office, Brian on was another who participated in this and sort of burying, reclassifying it, um, you know, sort of suggesting that any coverage of the laptop contents was foreign disinformation. And so it looks like Senate Republicans, if they take the Senate, uh, are going to start digging into this extremely corrupt, partisan, weaponized Washington field office, which, as you know, Jesse, is now led by the same guy who brought us the Whitmer fednapping hoax in 2020. Hmm. What is that gentleman's name? It starts with a D, if memory serves me. It does, and don't feel bad about that because Chris Ray sort of forgot his name too when Ted Cruz confronted him hmm. about Stephen D'Antuano, who was the head of the Detroit FBI field office in 2020. This is the office office primarily responsible for stitching together this random group of outliers using multiple F. FBI super supervising agents, uh, undercover agents, and of course informants put this group together, pretend that these white supremacist nationalist militia men loyal to Donald Trump wanted to take out one of his uh, leading political foes. Of course, it was all all in the FBI had the main agents, the main undercover agents, and the main informant involved. He was rewarded, Jesse, shortly after the arrests were announced on October 2020. Suddenly promoted to take over the responsible for this very powerful, probably the most powerful FBI field office in the country, then trying to bury the Hunter Biden laptop interviewing Tony Bobolinsky, then promising that they would follow up and never did. Um, and then, of course, after January 6th, um, now leading the investigation into the 900 plus Americans charged and, of course, the raid on Mar-a-Lago on August 8th. In addition to that, Bobolinsky told Tucker that Joe Biden was the chairman. Well, well take it from him. I met with Joe multiple times and now subsequent to the election, he's now the sitting president of the United States. But there are hundreds of data points that Joe Biden was acting in. uh, In a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman, the chairman of J.P. Morgan doesn't take eight meetings down with the people, you know, analyzing companies. The chairman serves a purpose, right? He's a figurehead. He shows up in meetings, shakes hands advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. And not just my venture. I met with him uh, um, multiple times. Uh, Julie, Joe Biden being the chairman of the family business, is that legal or illegal? 
Well, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of illegalities there that Tony Bobolinsky talked about in that interview uh, with Tucker and what a courageous man he is because this is a huge risk for him to do this, but he is telling the truth. He's got the documents to back it up. But I think that either as he was sitting vice president or ex-vice president or running for president, uh, when you're getting into business deals with one of our most, uh, with our greatest probably geopolitical foe, China, not to mention all the money that Hunter Biden made uh, in the Ukraine and of course uh, with Russia and other countries, there's certainly uh, could be at least a few crimes there, but it looks like, Jesse, we'll never know because the FBI and the U.S. attorney in Delaware allegedly investigated and allegedly investigated Hunter Biden since 2018 with no indictments forthcoming. Uh, I guess that the our top law enforcement agencies will never let the American people know the truth or hold anyone accountable for this Biden crime family. Gosh. All right. Give us an update on the Mar-a-Lago raid on Trump. So this is getting very interesting. And um, you know what, Jesse, it looks like now originally we were told it looked like 11,000 documents were stolen out of Mar-a-Lago by the same FBI. It now looks like with updated court filings, 200,000 pages of Donald Trump's records, including including personal information like tax and accounting records, uh, uh, certainly a lot of privileged material, personal items like clothing and books were taken out of his home in this nine hour raid. Now the big dispute now is the appointment of this special master. Uh, Judge Cannon ordered the special master who has now been appointed to look at all of the records um, and determine especially these hundred or so pages that are allegedly classified to see if they really are classified, if they should be returned, if this is part of the should be part of the criminal probe into Donald Trump. The DOJ, including in a new filing uh, that was uh, made this morning, they are desperate to keep these allegedly classified documents out of the hands, not just of Trump's attorneys, not just from Judge Cannon, but also from the special master. So they have appealed Judge Cannon's ruling to allow the special master to actually prioritize of classified documents, DOJ is now asking for an expedited appeal uh, that will keep these allegedly classified documents uh, out of the sight of anyone, including the appointed special master. So the question is, Jesse, what are they hiding? You know, if they if these are really classified documents, we were told they were nuclear secrets from other countries, et cetera. Um, why are they trying to keep this out of sight of the courts and Trump's lawyers and certainly the public just leaking conveniently what they want to to their favorite compliant journalists in the mainstream media? Julie Kelly, go read her stuff. I do. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you. Thanks, Jesse. All right, what's all this talk about Elon Musk again buying Twitter? I thought he wasn't buying Twitter. Now he is buying Twitter. What's he, what does this mean? Should, should you even care if you're not on Twitter? Should, should, you, should it even matter to you? Talk about that in a second before we talk about that. I know you've seen the news today about OPEC producing even less oil than they thought they were going to produce. Uh, I don't know exactly word for word what the future holds for the country, the, or the, the global economy. I was about to say the country's economy, but it's honestly, it's the whole world. But I do know it's bad. 
whatever is about to happen. You think it's bad now, and I realize it is. It's about to get worse. All we can do is be ready, right? What else can we do? Pray and be ready. Do you have an emergency three-month food kit? You know, every single person in your home should have three months' worth of food right there in case the lights go out, the grocery store is not there anymore. Do you? If you don't, My Patriot Supply has partnered with the show. Go to preparewithjessikelly.com and there you will find $250 off a three-month food kit. Everyone in your home needs one. If you live alone, just get one. You don't have to overdo it. But everyone needs one. Preparewithjessikelly.com. That gets you $250 off. Go get one. We'll be back. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Elon Musk. Who is this person? I know he flies rockets and he makes electric cars. Now this Twitter stuff. He was buying Twitter. Maybe you're not even on Twitter, but he was buying Twitter and then he wasn't buying Twitter and then there's arguments about it. And I wake up yesterday and I roll over and I look at my phone and he's buying Twitter again. Joining me now, my friend Greg Price, senior digital strategist, X Strategies LLC. Greg, I thought he wasn't buying it. He was buying it. Now he's buying it. What happened? Well, so he signed a contract to, to buy it that made him contractually obligated to buy it no matter what. What he did was he took Twitter to court because he saw that they were hiding the number of bot accounts that were on the platform. And essentially what his goal was to try and expose that and potentially buy Twitter at at a lower rate. But, you know, apparently he's buying it at the same uh, with the same amount per share that he did when he when he signed the contract. So who, who knows what happened? But it looks like it's finally it's finally happening sooner than we thought. Okay, Greg, just out of respect for people like my father who may be watching. Actually, my dad's probably not watching. But if he was watching, my dad would have two questions after hearing that. One, what is a bot? And two, why would having a lot of them on the website have anything to do with Elon buying it or not buying it? No, a bot is essentially just like a fake account. And, you know, you, you see these everywhere. Like, you know, they, they have, there's, there's these bot farms that people run. And it's, it's against Twitter's terms of service technically but you still see them a lot like you see you see them a lot with uh when it comes to ukraine you know you tweet something that says hey it's not a good idea to to start a nuclear war with russia and all of a sudden you have a million accounts with ukraine flags in their in their names in your mentions calling you a putin shill that's essentially what a bot account is and you see these on a, a lot of different issues too and and uh it, it's a real it's a real uh issue when it comes to you know the business side of 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 twitter because you know he wanted he wanted Twitter at, at fifty four dollars a share, and you know if there's you know all these bot account, all the if you have so many fake accounts on the platform, it essentially inflates the the worth of Twitter, and so that's that was essentially the problem there. But I think but I think it was just a calculated decision on Elon's part to try 
and expose some of the of the fakeness and the shenanigans that goes that that goes on behind the scenes of Twitter. But it looks like he's finally going to do it, and it's a, it's a good day for freedom of speech on the internet. Okay, all right. Well, it must be because uh, people like this communist at NBC, Ben Collins, he's very upset about it. He says, "Quote: Yes, I do think this site can change and will pretty dramatically if Musk gets full control." No, there's no immediate replacement if it gets done early enough based on the people he's aligned with. Yes, it could actually affect the midterms. All right, Greg, I'm not some Elon Musk worshiper or anything, but how how is Elon buying Twitter going to affect the midterm elections? It's not going to affect the midterm elections at all. People like Ben Collins and people like Brandy Sidrosny, another NBC News quote-unquote disinformation reporter, there's essentially this this cottage industry of reporters who go around and censor very popular accounts that are threats to the establishment. They work at NBC News and all these other places. Taylor Lorenz from at the Washington Post fits in this category, and by Elon, and they have their media contacts at Twitter that they go to when they'll essentially say, "Hey, this account, this very popular account, promotes misinformation." They'll write a story about it. And then they'll reach out to Twitter to ask to ask if they will do, take any action against them. And Twitter largely does it because they're, the people who run it are cowards. But Elon buying Twitter essentially means that these people are going to lose their power to control information on the Internet, which is what they want to do. And if Elon does one good thing for Twitter, of all the things he could possibly do for this platform, putting people like Ben Collins out of business and taking away their power to censor conservative counts would be the best thing. Okay, I, I realize this is an opinion or not. You're not inside the guy's head. But what do we think he's going to do? Are, are we going to wake up, you know, the morning after he, the ink is dry and Donald Trump's back and everyone who's been banned, you know, every, all, all the Alex Joneses of the world are back? Or is he going to basically do nothing? Because I see a lot of cheering on the right. I don't see any plan of what he's actually going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to know what, you know, what he'll actually do. I think, I think the biggest thing that he's going to do when he takes over is establish an actual system of content moderation that Twitter has to follow. So, you know, the, the biggest criticism that, you know, not just people on the right, but people who believe in free speech had of Twitter under Jack Dorsey and under the current leadership, Parag, whatever his name is, is the fact that they have these terms of service that they enforce in clearly politically motivated ways. So for example, when they censored the Hunter Biden laptop, they did that because they said it's against Twitter's terms of service to post things uh, that were obtained via a hack. And first of all, they were not obtained via a hack. Hunter Biden got high on crack and left his laptop at a repair shop. And second of all, they go and they allow things like Donald Trump's tax returns to circulate, which were obtained via a hack. And so I think the biggest thing that Elon Musk is going to do, and he said this before, is have an actual concrete system that Twitter uses to moderate content I, and you know, force them to actually do that. I think another thing to look out for is, you know, obviously Twitter has all of these woke employees, as we've seen from the leaks of their Slack channel about how they were talking about censoring libs of TikTok. It'll be interesting to see which employees stay and which go and how like sort of the, the makeup of the people who actually work at Twitter changes. And I think the other thing is it'll we'll see what accounts they he brings they bring back that have been censored. You know, Elon Musk has said that he would reverse Donald Trump's permaban. Uh, Trump said he he would not come back though. He's going to stay on Truth Social. 
But there have been thousands of other accounts that, that have been suspended over the last five years. And, you know, between Mike Lindell, between even all the way to Alex Jones to, you know, even Laura Loomer, all of these people that have been permabanned, we'll see who comes back and we'll see, we'll see what he does with that. Greg, we've been talking a bunch of Tony Bobolinsky talk because I'm so hot on what's going on at the FBI. But one of the things that really came out, well, actually, you're familiar with this because you're the one who cut up the clip. Here he is. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg just casually said, oh, yeah, the FBI came to us and warned us of a dump. So when the New York Post ran their article, um, uh, individual named Andy Stone uh, stepped in. I think he runs their uh, um, compliance or fact-checking department and, uh, and throttled down the fact pattern. The interesting thing with that, Tucker, is Andy Stone never reached out to me. He never called my lawyers. My email address was there. I'm easy to get a hold of. Facebook never reached out to me and said, hey, Tony, we see that this email that the New York Post just published to you, is it real? Can you produce the email to us? Within five minutes, if Twitter, Facebook, anybody else had reached out, I would have produced the email with, everyone wants to talk about the metadata. Oh, the, you know, the emails that are being produced don't have any metadata. I would have given them the metadata that's pages along on that email that, uh, that the New York Post published. Greg, it's one thing to talk about the FBI, but social media censorship is a big deal. Explain for people who maybe aren't on Facebook or Twitter, why is it a big deal? Because whether you like it or not, these platforms have become the de facto public square. And it's unfortunate that we're at the mercy of these you know, ginormous companies run by a small amount of people that are essentially controlling how information flows in, in, you know, in our day and age. And as we saw in 2020, that has the impact, that has the ability to impact elections. The fact that Facebook and Twitter censored this Hunter Biden laptop, which was a true story about corruption in the Biden family involving business dealings overseas that Joe Biden was involved in, that, that impacted the 2020 election. The FBI and big tech worked together, as Tony Bobolinsky said in this interview, to single-handedly change the course of history. And that's, that is why it's so important that Elon Musk is buying Twitter. And that is a, it's, it's a huge deal that you know, the regime of censorship is being taken over by this guy who actually believes in freedom of speech. And if you go back, you know, and, and if you go, you can go back to all the way to 2016, because a lot of this stuff happened after the 2016 election. People who were on Twitter and Facebook, you know, 2014 to 2016, that's when it was at its freest. And look what happened. Donald Trump used social media in a way nobody has ever done before. And he used it in order to become the president. The MAGA movement, one of the biggest reasons it happened was because of social media and the effective way he used it. And Democrats blamed, you know, social media companies, quote unquote, misinformation and Russian disinformation. They blamed all of that for why Hillary lost and not the fact that she was the spawn of Satan and essentially forced these companies to begin the, the regime of censorship that we've seen over the last five years. And so that is probably going to change when Elon Musk takes over Twitter. And, we, and I really hope it does. Me too. Greg, come back soon. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, the economy sucks too. <laughs> we'll talk about, <laughs> have to talk about the economy really quickly. In just a second, before we get to that, so to stop, are you stuck in a timeshare? If you're stuck in a timeshare, believe me when I tell you, you're not alone. You know Lone Star Transfer has been helping people out for a long time. 
helping people permanently get out of their timeshare because they don't let you out. But you know that they've helped over 16,000 people do this, right? These people who get stuck in timeshares, maybe this is your situation. You feel dumb. Oh, I should have read the fine print. No one reads the fine print. Just because you get in, got involved with some scummy company that's trying to rip you off and steal your money forever doesn't mean it's your fault. Make a phone call. You're a phone call away from being free. They guarantee it in writing and in a specific time frame. That's what you call confidence right there. 844-310-2646. 844-310-2646. Or go to LoneStarTransfer.com. We'll be back. All right, buckle up. And if you've been watching this show for a while, what I'm about to tell you is not going to come as any surprise, but that dip in gas prices, I realize they're still too high, but you know, they went sky high and we we're all freaking out. Oh my gosh, fill up your car. And then we got a little dip from that. Not, not all the way back down to where they were by any means, but we got a little dip from that. How long have I been coming on here and telling you it's temporary? It's a temporary dip. Gas got so expensive, there were entire nation states that simply decided we can't afford it anymore. So they pulled themselves out of the market that provided a dip, but a temporary dip. Life is about to get a lot more expensive, a lot more expensive. And look, I'll just say this. There's obviously been a ton of scandal. We've covered a lot of it tonight in the Joe Biden presidency. Maybe, maybe the most despicable nakedly anti-American thing Joe Biden has done in his presidency is cutting off American oil and then seeing gas prices rise. So taking our strategic oil reserve that exists for dire emergencies because the country, our military, every, the country will shut down without it. He took it and chose to start draining it to temporarily reduce gas prices up to the midterms. He drained our strategic oil reserve to mitigate Democrat losses at the midterms. That is one of the most impeachable, despicable things I've ever seen from a president. That's what we get. And of course, you know, when gas took that little dip, of course, Joe Biden and his team couldn't run out and take credit for that dip fast enough. Now that it's back to being on the rise, well, it's more nuanced than that. You've said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuance than that, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Joe Biden campaign on, in fact, the Democrat Party platform in this country. The official platform is now... They're trying to destroy the oil and gas industry. They've declared war on the oil and gas industry. Oil and gas is what powers the entire planet. So essentially, they have declared war on humanity. Well, they understand that, oh, I don't know, north of a billion people will die and life will get way too expensive for people. So what did Joe Biden do? What did he do after we cut off our oil and gas? He ran over to the Saudis. He ran over to Saudis thinking he was King Cheese and thought the Saudis, an oil nation, were going to help Joe Biden with his transition off of oil. Remember when he said this? And I'm doing all I can to increase the supply for the United States of America, which I expect to happen. The Saudis share that urgency. 
And based on our discussions today, I expect we'll see further steps in the coming weeks. Yeah, boy, there sure were further steps. Instead of cutting, oh, I don't know, one million barrels of oil a day, they went out and just announced today at OPEC that they're cutting two million barrels a day of oil production. Now, those are big words, big numbers, right? Two million, what's a barrel? I don't understand. Here's what you need to understand, and it's all you need to understand about it. Because of the Democratic Party's war on oil and gas, every single part of your life is about to get a lot more expensive. You thought inflation and gas prices and things like that were causing you pain. Now you've seen the very beginning, just the tip of pain. Now, I've been warning you about this for a long time. It's here. It's now here, and it's going to be ugly. But hey, what's that old saying? I mean, it's not that this is going to be any comfort for people watching their standard of living be destroyed, but what's that old saying? Elections have consequences. I realize there was a bunch of shady stuff that happened in 2020, but when you go to the gas pump to pay $6 a gallon in the coming months, maybe it wouldn't hurt to place a call or send a text message to your friend who voted for Joe Biden because Donald Trump was too mean and just give him a quick thank you. Joining me next is going to be my friend Brian Dean Wright. We're going to talk a a little bit about how we're actually sending money to Russia you don't even know about during all this Russia-Ukraine stuff. We have all that still to come. Before we get to that, we talk a lot about being prepared. We talk about having food and ammunition and practicing with your weapon and, and, and just basic things about being prepared. And I'll be honest with you, Those are all the first things people generally get to, myself included. Why? Because they're the cool stuff. I mean, who doesn't want food or or ammo and stuff like that? You know what people don't think about? Meds, specifically antibiotics. You know that two-thirds of combat casualties, they don't come from bombs and bullets. They come from disease, infection. Do you have antibiotics? Jace Medical has something that is so freaking cool. It's called the Jace case. The Jace case is a flight of antibiotics. Everybody should have a couple of these things in their stash. And they have 10 bucks off. If you go to jacemedical.com, promo code JESSE, that gets you $10 off a Jace case. jacemedical.com, promo code JESSE. Have a flight of antibiotics there. Believe me, that cut, when things go crazy, that cut can end your life. JaceMedical.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back. President Biden informed President Zelensky that the United States is providing a new $625 million security assistance package to Ukraine. Okay. What does to Ukraine mean? I've always wanted to know, what, what does this mean? Where's it going? If you want to know things like that, you generally want to ask my friend Brian Dean Wright of the great President's Daily Brief podcast, and I'm very proud of him that that podcast is apparently murdering it. Unsurprisingly, I knew it would. All right, Brian, let's begin with money to Ukraine. Okay, so it's a gigantic price tag, $625 million. We keep getting these numbers, and I've lost track of them now. Billion, hundred million. What are we buying? Are we buying food for widows and orphans? Are we buying bullets? What are we buying? Where's it going? We are buying a little bit of everything. So this latest package, $625 million, something called HIMARS, which is an artillery system. We're buying munitions. 
we were buying all kinds of different military equipment. In the past, you know, different kinds of, of missiles that could bring down airliners. That seems bad. Nevertheless, in addition to that, one of the things a lot of people don't know is that the government of Ukraine runs a budget deficit of $5 billion a month. That's to pay for pensions, keep the lights on. We pay for that. So when you see a lot of those announcements about we're giving a billion here, five billion there, that's part of where that money is going. Of course, we are now at, by the way, as I'm sure you and others saw, $31 trillion of debt of our own in this country. Interest rates are going up. So what's incredible is we're paying off the debt and the deficit of Ukraine. We're adding it to ours, which is becoming not only a record amount, but much more expensive for us to pay because interest rates are going up. So all in all, we have a fiscal mess in addition, in addition rather, to a disastrous war. Okay. All right. This whole thing, all this is ugly. This is all bad. Can you give me some kind of, as best as you can tell, status update on when exactly this thing ends? So can you handicap this thing for me? Are we, is, is it going to be done by the weekend here? I, I wish. Uh, it could be if we wanted to actually have peace, uh, but we don't, and neither do, do the Ukrainians at this point. Uh, so the uh, president of Russia, of course, annexing about 15, 18% of Ukraine. That means from the Russian perspective, they are all in. They don't want this thing to win until they get the victory that they're looking for. The Ukrainian government just signed a, a decree saying that they would not negotiate with the Russians. Uh, Zelensky just signed that earlier this week. So the Ukrainians are interested. And then of course, Joe Biden and our secretary of defense both said last spring that Putin must go and that the goal here is not only uh, to, to make sure that Putin's gone, but to Russian, I'm sorry, to weaken the Russian state, right? So the prospects for peace on this are very, very dim. And that means that this can get really, really nasty very, very quickly. Okay, people, myself included, don't understand Russian politics at all, right? I just assume they did vodka shots over there. But uh, Vladimir True. Putin leaving is no, I'm not, I'm not going to shed any tears for that scumbag. But the question always remains, who's stepping up when he's gone? What is that going to look like? Yes, that is such a great question. When you talk to people about this, everybody's like, Putin's bad, let's get rid of him. Just like Saddam Hussein and Gaddafi. Well, then... What happened with those countries and those guys? That kind of yeah. ended poorly. So there aren't a lot of great options in terms of Western reformers that we think would be great for the job. I mean, they're there, but they won't be supported by the Russian people, which is sort of what we have done in the past in places like Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya. We've chosen the people that, well, the local citizens don't really like. So there aren't a lot of great options. The Russian people don't particularly like the West. Most of the leaders in that country, even the ones that don't really like Putin, they don't like the West either, especially the United States. So there aren't a lot of great options, even if you get rid of Putin. Uh, but that's just something that unfortunately we're gonna have to be very aware of and understand that, hey, if we push for regime change, we might not get something uh, that we like. And that's happened before. Are, we're funding this whole thing in a different way. We're funding, you know, Russia and this whole war in a different way, too. What is it? Yeah, well, lots of different people around the country and indeed the world are buying Russian products, even though they don't know it. So one of the ways that we are doing it right now in this country is we are buying Russian timber, specifically something called Russian birch. So how this is working, there's a huge sanctions slap of this birch wood on Russian material. It's not supposed to be in this country, but it is. 
So what the Russians are doing, working with some Chinese businessmen, they're buying it. That is to say, the Chinese are buying it from Russia. They're slapping on a label that says, you know, grown in China. And then they're shipping it down to Vietnam, where a lot of furniture in this country actually comes from. So if you go to a big box retailer, you go online and you're looking for kitchen cabinetry or vanities, uh, you know, bed nightstands, all kinds of wood products. Those mostly come from China or Vietnam. And a lot of that wood is actually coming from Russia. You just don't know it. So in that way, ironically enough, you and I, when we go out to the store, we're actually helping to underwrite this war. All right, let's shift things to at home because things aren't a lot better here. You're talking, you talk about this dirty green stuff all the time. I saw California just announced they're going to ban gas-powered vehicles from being sold by 2035. The sad part about these things is they usually catch on with other places. Is this thing catching on? Yeah, it sure is. New York, Washington State, a lot of other uh, states are actually starting to pass bills or they're, they're building uh, or they're creating those bills now, writing them. But it's not just the states, actually. So General Motors uh, has announced that they are going to stop selling or manufacturing gas-powered cars by 2035. Ford is going to do the same, although they're going to wait until 2040. Although in Europe, they're not going to sell any more of that stuff in, until 2035. So manufacturers are marching down this road, too, which is pretty crazy when you really start looking at how cars, these electric vehicles, function. Because... They're not all they're, they're cracked up to be. And people are about to find that out in a very, very painful way. Brian, we talk about transition. I shouldn't say we. They talk about transition a lot. It's a transition. We're in a transition, which it's funny. If you dig into that, that it always is poor people dying. That's what transition means. But anyway, transitioning. Uh, what does this look like, though? Because these things, they sound so horrific, and they're not that far in the future. 2035 is not that far in the future. What, is, what does that mean to normal people? Well, it means if you go into a showroom starting 2035 and beyond, you, unfortunately, are going to not have an option of a gas-powered vehicle. It's going to be an electric vehicle. So you're going to have to come to the table with a lot more money because we know that electric vehicles cost a lot more than gas-powered cars. Different reasons for that, which we can get into. $66,000 is what they currently cost, but then you have to add in additional costs over the next couple of years with, of course, the increasing prices of batteries, which are going crazy in terms of the, the materials inside of those batteries, lithium and cobalt, none of which, by the way, we actually mine here. It's in places like the Congo with using child slave labor, but nevertheless, uh, the point is the price of those things are very expensive and god forbid you get into a car accident with one of those things dramatically went from 20 to 50 plus percent more expensive to repair that car and if it ain't under warranty you're buying a new battery pack which is going to run you about twenty thousand dollars which is quite amazing by the way when you think about it and then of course there's the issue of charging which i would love to get into because it's one of the best parts of this story Oh, please, go ahead, because one of my buddies has a Tesla, and he does, he enjoys his Tesla, but man, does he have charging stories. Please, take it away, Brian. Oh, my friend, this is so great. Okay, so there's level one, level two, and level three charging stations. Each of those offers owners different uh, sort of benefits, as it were. Level one is the lowest, it's least efficient. So you can buy one of these fancy cars, you plug it in into your house, basically one of those outlets, it's gonna take you four days to charge up your car. Congratulations, you're gonna work one day and then you're gonna come home and say, honey, I, I gotta take four days off to charge the car. All right, so that's one option. Level two 
you're going to be spending thousands more dollars to install a level two charger at your house. You're going to have to have an electrician come. It's a very special piece of equipment, but your car may not actually charge fast enough to enjoy the benefits of that level two charger. So you can spend thousands of dollars and actually you're not going to get much benefit, but maybe you do, maybe you get some benefit there, right? So we're looking at eight to 12 hours of charge time. All right. There are about uh, 35,000 of those charge stations all around the country. Well, what if you don't own a home and you're in an apartment complex or a condo building? Well, you better go to Walmart and stay overnight there because that's where those level two chargers are. And it's going to take you eight to 12 hours. Now, finally, there are these level threes. Uh, well, those are, are fine if your car can use them. The other piece here, Jesse, and I love this so much, batteries are finicky. They don't like to be charged when it's too cold and they don't like to be charged when it's too hot outside. So if you're in Alaska, sorry, or anybody in the wintertime, you're gonna have problems charging your car. Same thing in the summertime. Or if you live in Texas, Arizona, your car is not going to charge as efficiently. Also strange little things like the length of the cord from the power station to the car, ah, that's gonna change your charge time too. So all in, consumers have a lot to learn about these rigs, and I don't think they're gonna like it. Good grief. Brian, thank you, my friend. It's the President's Daily Brief Podcast, everyone. Thank you, brother. Always, as always. All right. I need to lighten the mood after that. All, that's, all that made my wallet like, catch fire in my pocket before we get to that. Let's talk about something good. You ready for something good? How about this? You know, my allergies used to get so bad that uh, my lymph nodes would swell up. That's how bad they were. My eyes would just be red. It was just terrible. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have tears coming down the side of my face. And I didn't even just watch Rudy. Eden Pure Thunderstorm took away my allergies. I originally owned one of these things. You know how many I own now? Six of them. I keep three in my home. I keep three around here in the studio. They're freaking miracles. It's more than just cleaning your air of viruses and mold. I don't have to mess with allergies anymore. They have a three-pack for sale for my viewers. You have to go to EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE, to take advantage of it. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back. All right. Time to lighten the mood. And you know I don't watch professional sports anymore, all that Black Lives Matter, anti-American crap, bunch of millionaires, spoiled babies. So I don't watch anymore, not baseball, not basketball, not football. But someone did send me this video today. Apparently there's some guy, Aaron Judge on the Yankees, who's smashing the ball into the moon every single night. Set some sort of a record last night, 62 home runs. That's not the story here. In my opinion, the story is the sacrifice a man made to get a hold of that ball. Well done by the production team there. Let's see them all.
Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 